When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For those of you who want nonstop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is Cloak and Dagger. Warfare, espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's adventure, The Cutchin Story, tells of an agent, an American agent, dropped behind Japanese lines in Burma. A story suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. The sky hangs low over Burma. In 1944, it was more than just the smoke and dust haze that blankets it in the dry season. It was the tension in the air that weighed the clouds down so that they almost seemed to be pressing against the wings of our plane. You ought to reach your objective in a few minutes, Mike. Good. I'll tell you when to hit the silk. You got everything? Yep. Radio, supplies, I'm all set. Boy, that's thick jungle down there. Thick with Japs. That's what I mean. I looked down on the towering, jungle-covered mountains of North Burma. I thought of the small band of Kutchin natives who were waiting to meet me. I thought about how pitifully outnumbered they were behind the enemy lines. Now they hated the Japs. And then, all of a sudden, ah, I didn't have time to think anymore. Lousy Jap fighter. What cloud did he crawl out of? It's too late to run. We're in for it. Sorry, you're going to be late for your appointment. what I could do with a tail gunner now. Hold on to your stomach, Mike. I'm gonna see if I can loop and get behind him. Hi, oh, still on a tail. Yeah, he looped right behind me. He hit a wrencher. On fire. That lousy. Yeah. Nice work, you got him. How bad are we hit? We won't make it. We're gonna try to belly land. Can we jump? Too low for that. Hold on. Watch those trees. I can't pull her up, Mike. I can't. I can't. I was thrown from the plane when we crashed. I got off with nothing more than a leg that was bleeding pretty bad. When I crawled back to the wreck, I found the pilot. He wasn't so lucky. I started to run. I didn't know where I was going, but I started to run anyway, through the bamboo thickets. My leg was throbbing with pain, and I tripped. The pistol dropped out of my holster and disappeared into the high grass. I didn't have time to look for it. Somewhere to the north were the cutchins. I had to get to them. 
This was headhunter country. In those days, Japs paid high prices for American scalps. After a while, my breath came out. I couldn't go any further. My imagination put Japs and headhunters behind every tree. I told myself I had to stop. I told myself I didn't have enough wind to take another step. But I changed my mind when behind me I heard a twig snap. There was someone following. A quiet, stealthy someone on padded cat's feet. I kept on running. Into the river. I didn't bother to look first for crocodiles. The numbness from my bad legs spread all over me. I could hardly swim. All I wanted to do was get away from that shadow behind me. When I reached the opposite shore, I clambered onto a sandbar. Safe. Safe. Then I looked back. I saw that tireless shadow emerge from the bushes and flit silently across the river on a fallen tree trunk. My lungs were ready to burst. I pulled myself up again and fell over some roots and waited. Waited for that shadow to catch up with me. I just lay there and waited. Okay. Okay, you win. Where do we go from here? Well, say something. Don't just stand there. I probably won't be able to understand you, but say something anyway. A half-naked warrior just stood there staring at me, saying nothing. I'd have given anything to have had my gun back again. And all of a sudden I did. He just reached down and handed it to me. Hey, I... I don't get it. What's that... What's that card you're holding? Follow this guide. He will lead you to safety. Well... Well, now you're talking. Sure, and you couldn't look more surprised, Captain, than if the tall grass parted and you came on a field of four-leaf clovers. <laughs> I feel that way, Father. <laughs> like you turned over a stone, and there we were. <laughs> well, that's about it. I thought that native following me was a headhunter. I know they'd turn any American over to the Japs for a two-pound bag of salt. Ah, you're right there, unholy savages that they are. We saw your plane fall, and I sent Ying here after you with that message written on the card. He's the fastest runner in the Cochin village. I'm sorry he put such a scare into you. Oh, 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 oh forgive me, Captain Shea. Uh, did I pull the bandage too tightly then? No, no, it's okay. I don't mind it too much. When I think of what happened to the pilot, I was lucky. Ah, yes. It was a pity about the pilot. Ying, the scissors, if you don't mind. Thank you. There. Oh, almost done now. Then we'll go out and you'll meet the villagers. The women have prepared a special banquet for you. Oh, that's very nice of them. Have you been a missionary here in Burma long, Father? Oh, for almost 12 years now. I hardly remember any other life. These good natives have all become sons and daughters to me. <laughs> We've taught each other. I speak their language. They all speak English now. They do? As well as I. Almost. Then uh, I have a question, Father. Yes? How come Ying over there took ten years off my life, chased me through the jungle? Why didn't he say something? Well... Ying didn't speak to you, Captain Shea, because he wasn't able to. What? He was a prisoner of the Japanese some time ago. They cut out his tongue. Uh, that, uh, that other roll of bandage, please, Ying. Thank you. Hey, 
Colleen, put more wine in the bamboo cup for our guest, eh? Yes, I will be happy to. Here you are. What did you call her father? Colleen. To make it easier for me, I've renamed many of the villagers. That woman stirring the big kettle is Kathleen. And the other beside her, Bridget. <laughs> I get the general idea. <laughs> and your name is Shay. <laughs> Mike Shay. A good Irish name if I ever heard one. Well, uh, actually, Father, it's Michael Sikolnikov. Would you mind repeating that? Sikolnikov. It's Polish. I shorten it because everybody has trouble pronouncing it. Sometimes I have trouble myself spelling it. Yeah, I see. Well, no matter. No matter. Uh, uh, tell me more about your mission. Well, I was sent by the OSS to establish radio contact, Father, with the Northern Area Combat Command in Burma. Give them any information and help I can. That is, with your help, of course. Ah, yes. Well, you'll find us of great assistance. Immediately after the banquet, you can find a place to set up your radio. Say, uh, how are you enjoying your meal? Mm. My wife never made anything that tasted like this. <laughs> Do you like it? Eat well. Let me fill your plate some more. Mm, thanks. Mm, it's very good. Uh, what is it? We make it special for you today. White bees we boil for hours. Uh, I, uh... Guess I've had enough. I don't feel right moving you out of your hut, Father. Ah, it's quite all right. I can easily find another basher. This is the best spot for your radio. I I'll even leave you the, the decorations on the walls to inspire you. <laughs> Ginger Rogers, huh? <laughs> That's your favorite pinup? Well, she's a fair lass, all right. She brightens up the basher. Well, with your permission, then, I'll uh, stick a snapshot of my wife up with the rest of these pictures. Yeah, that does it. You know, when I think of my wife, I feel a little guilty. Why is that, my son? Oh, I don't know. Thought of her going blind, squeezing all the news from home into V-mail... Wearing herself sick about me. And all the time, I never felt more free in my life. Ah, yes, I know just what you mean. I love this life in the jungle, as well as the people, my people here. I don't think I could ever leave now, Shakari. Uh, by the by, do you mind if I call you O'Shea? <laughs> no, no, not at all, Father O'Toole. Not at all. <laughs> This jungle home was a far cry from the third-floor walk-up in New York and the job behind the desk in the insurance office. The Cutchin warriors aren't imposing figures. They're short and squat with long matted hair and teeth worn to a black stub by betel nut. They led a simple village life, eating rice, trapping wild pigs, the technique they also used in trapping wild Japs. But they were friendly, happy people, and life with them was pleasant. Until... One afternoon, when a report came in on the radio. North Area Combat Command to Agent Shakalnikov. Agent Shakalnikov of the OSS to North Area Combat Command. You're coming in clear, awaiting message. Come in. Over. Capture of jungle town of Michina and its airstrip is vital to aid Allied advance in Burma. Battalions of American marauders will attempt capture. They will rely on your help to get them through the jungle. Over. Agent Shakalnikov to headquarters. Have small band of Kutchins organized. We will do what we can. Awaiting further instructions. Over. Other native armies under OSS leadership have been alerted. Stand by. Stand by. This is imperative. Over and out. Well. What? Oh, Father O'Toole, I, I didn't see you standing there. You heard? I heard, O'Shea. This is a big push, all right. That airport at Michener could mean success or failure of the whole American campaign in Burma. I'll get our warriors ready. In the meantime, there's nothing we can do but wait for orders. That's always the worst part of it. Wait. children, quiet. Now, it is as I have told you. 
When the order comes from the Americans, we will advance upon the enemy. We leave now, Father. Catch enemy ourselves. No, 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 no. That's not the way we must work from now on. The American will be our leader. We will do as he says. We will follow Captain O'Shea. North Area Combat Command to Agent Shekalnikov in Burma. A battalion of marauders on the way to Michina has been cut off from the main body of the column and lost in the jungle. Radio contact gone. Find them and supply reinforcements. Over. Agent Shekalnikov to headquarters. We'll do the best we can. Over and out. Well, we've waited two weeks for an assignment, but when it came, it was a beauty. Well, the problem, O'Shea, is locating that battalion. Now, it occurs to me... Yes, yes, Father. It occurs to me that if they're surrounded by the Japanese somewhere in the jungle, the Japanese themselves would know exactly where that spot is. Father, I don't get you. Well, there's a Japanese bivouac less than six miles from here. There are undoubtedly Japanese high command who have the information we're after. I've got you now, Father. But one of the scouts come with me to show me the way through the jungle. We'll sneak into that Jap camp and bring one of the officers back with us. Well, the two of you alone? Sure, sure. Too many of us and we're liable to get caught. Just a couple of us can make it. All right. Wait till the moon is halfway across the sky. Then go. And the Lord go with you. When the moon was halfway across the sky, the scout and I set out back through the jungle I'd come from. Only this time I was a shadow too, slipping behind the bamboo thickets, cutting my way through the dense jungle foliage. We didn't talk much, only what was necessary. Jap, camp, close, now. Good. Jap, camp, there, ahead. See through bushes? Yeah, I see. All those fires lit. Must be some kind of a powwow going on. Sentry there. Where finger points. Yeah, yeah, I see him. We will surprise Sentry. Sneak in camp from there. Right behind you. No talk. Quiet, no talk. Noise, bring many traps. Okay, through the bushes. Follow me. Watch for snakes. Is that all you're worried about? What about the tigers and wild boars, Komodo lizards? Watch for snakes. Snake. You move. We strike. What do we do? Can you get him with a stick? A rock? Gun best. Gun, they'll hear us. Gun best. Rock no good. Stick no good. If I miss, you die. Gun. Gun. Boom. I stood there like somebody who had been frozen dumb and stiff. My heart was pounding like a jungle tom-tom. If he killed the snake, the Japs were sure to come running. If he didn't, he raised his gun slow. Slow. The snake was swaying back and forth. Dead. Snake. Much dead. He killed him all right, but we didn't have time to escape back into the foliage. After that, nothing's clear in my mind. Poor Japs all around us, yelling like crazy, and lots of guns going. Ah! And the Kutchin scout fell flat on his face, dead. Then somebody butted me from behind with a pistol. And the moon went out of the heavens. And the sky that hangs low over Burma came down and hit me in the face. <laughs> American, wake up. What? Huh? What happened? Oh, oh, my head. I am Colonel Haiichi of Japanese High Command. I regret that we were forced to render you such stormy welcome. Colonel Haiichi, eh? You speak English pretty well. Massachusetts Institute of Technology, class 37. DeWitt Clinton High School, the Bronx, class of 33. We will get along well, I think, 
If we make little trade... What kind of a trade? Your life for little information. I see. The American marauders. I want to know their numbers, their positions, their objective. I don't know. If I did, I wouldn't tell you. God. Oh! That whip was sample. We have much more in store for you if you do not agree to be more agreeable to our simple requests. I give you 24 hours to think it over, American. The hut they threw me under was small and dark. There was a sentry posted at the entrance. What I remember most about those 24 hours was the heat. Wet, sticky heat that made my skin crawl and my lips dry. It was a cute trick of the MIT graduate class of 37 to let the water drip from a pipe right outside the barred window. After a while, it begins to get you when you're thirsty. You, get up. Get up. Can I see you now? Up, American. Up. Okay, okay. Get your hands off me. What? What's that? Uh, Stampede. Stampede. Elephants. Oh. Good working. Good work. That's one less Japanese to worry us. Father O'Toole, where'd you come from? What is this? No time for long explanations now, lad. Uh, they outnumbered us 50 to 1, and we needed heavy ammunition. Elephants were the heaviest we could find. Yeah, but how did you... Well, when you didn't come back, I sent a runner. We found the body of the sky. Come, we must leave now. Yeah, but the information I came to get. Oh, oh, oh that. We'll take it with us. Kutchin warriors in this village have a grudge against your people, Colonel Hayachi. Maybe you can tell us why. You cannot frighten me, American. You get no information from me. Shoes on the other foot now, huh? So it would seem. Ying. I'd like you to meet Ying, Colonel Hayachi. Some months ago, he was a Japanese prisoner. His tongue was cut out. I'm going to turn you over to Ying. No, no. He can ask you questions his own way. Go on, take him. No, no, no. No, get him away from me. I will tell you what you want to know. I will tell you where we have surrounded lost battalion. I tell you where they are. That's more like it. Start talking. warriors got ready to attack, and a great holiday spirit took over the village. But we must come. We always come, Moshe, when our warriors go ambush Japanese. But this is crazy. I can't have a lot of women and kids and old men tagging along. We go. We go. Old men carry flintlock, muzzle loader. Women, we do our job also. Now, wait a minute. When battle finish, women cook big party, samba deer, monkey meat. What, and serve it piping hot in the front lines? Nothing doing. I'm going to see Father O'Toole about this. You have your troubles, I have mine, O'Shea. But we can't let that whole tribe come along. This isn't kids' play. They'll come whether you like them to or not, O'Shea. They always do. In the meanwhile, look at my predicament. Some son of Satan stole me false teeth. What am I to do without me teeth? Father O'Toole, please, we haven't much time. Aichi gave us a map. We know where the marauders and the Jap attackers are. But we won't do them any good just sitting here. I'm not just sitting here, O'Shea. I'm trying to find me teeth. The whole village went along, whether I liked it or not. And Father O'Toole came along, too. Without his teeth. The Kutchin warrior knew the back trails of the jungle as well as I knew 42nd Street. Ying seemed to be the leader, and he led us through little-known passes along hidden underbrush, closer and closer to the spot where we knew the Japs had the American battalion cut off, helpless, just where they wanted them. No one made a sound, and Ying held up his hand. What is it, Ying? This junction of the two trails. He's not sure which one to take. That's it, Ying, isn't it? 
Well, why don't we split up? Half of us go one way, and the no, other... No, no, no. There aren't enough of us. The Cutchins have their own methods. Why is Jing pointing at me? He's given you the honor of contributing a hair from your head. A what? A hair from your head. Here, let me have one. Ah, thank you. Here you are, Ying. Why's he throwing it on the ground? We'll go in the direction the hair points. It's not very scientific. No, but it always works. Ah, it points to the right. We'll go to the right. Father O'Toole, it did work. Here are the chaps. And there are the marauders dug into those foxholes. Yeah, they're surrounded, all right, poor lads. So wonder they held out this long. Our business then is to attack the enemy from the rear and give the battalion a chance to hit back. We can't attack them. There's too many of them. We'll have to ambush them. Yes, yes, true. I, if only I had my teeth, I could think better. Ying, some of you others, come here. Listen, our only chance is to draw them off from the left. There's a clearing there. It'll give the marauders a chance to get out of that encirclement. We chase chap soldier up here. We set trap for them. That's the idea. Panji! We make Panji! Panji? What's that? Hey, you want a trap set? What? You're about to witness the cutting secret weapon. What are they doing? They're whittling those bamboo poles to sharp points. Then they'll stick them at the slant beneath the underbrush on either side of the trail. When the enemy passes, our warriors will fire. And the Japanese will dive to the sides. I get it, and cut themselves to ribbons. Very effective. Very pretty. The natives work quickly. The women helping them whittle the bamboo to razor points. When everything was ready, I took a few of our men to the left flank, and we fired. And they ran right into our trap. Very effective. Not so pretty. They committed mass harikari all along the trail. That's all there was to it. I never thought we'd get out of those foxholes alive, Captain Shikolnikov. Thanks for helping us chase the rest of the Japs off. I'm glad we could help, Major. The Cutchins will lead you the rest of the way through the jungle so you can rejoin the main body of your column. Can we leave now? Oh, no, Major. The women would be insulted. I'll drill in the battle. They were busy preparing the victory feast. <laughs> Pretty sure of themselves, weren't they? <laughs> Good wives. They have confidence in their husbands. <laughs> the feast is ready. Uh, they're even dressed for it. <laughs> Look at that. Flowers in their hair and everything. All dressed up. One of them is overdressed. Colleen, come here. Yes, father. Don't you, yes, father me. What do you got around your neck? Well, <laughs> pretty necklace. I bow for the victory. My false teeth. <laughs> now, you find yourself another necklace and give them back to me. No. No, then I have nothing. This pretty... Oh, I Colleen, Colleen, listen to me. Here, uh, here's something prettier. My sharpshooter's medal. Sharpshooter? Mm-hmm. Every American soldier has one to give to the prettiest girl he meets. Would you like it? Hmm. So shiny. Ribbon pretty, too. Father O'Toole, you have back your teeth. Ha! <laughs> Captain Shekolnikov... You're worthy of the name of O'Shea. The capture of the vital airstrip and the ultimate conquest of Michina was due to the combined efforts of the marauders who attacked it and the Kuchin warriors who helped them and harassed the enemy all along the way. And once more, the report of an OSS agent closes with the words, Mission accomplished. A further adventure in black warfare is next week's Cloak and Dagger. Heard in today's Cloak and Dagger adventure were Raymond Edward Johnson, Carl Weber, Bill Quinn, Joe Julian... Everett Sloan, Inga Adams, Jackson Beck, and Jerry Jarrett. The script was written by Winifred Wolfe and Jack Gordon. Music was under the direction of John Gart. 
Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production in association with Alfred Hollander and was under the direction and supervision of Sherman Marks. Robert Warren speaking. Do you enjoy a capricious caper or a melodramatic mystery? NBC offers three of the best for your pleasure later today. A giant among men, the big guy leads off with Vincent Price as the saint close behind. Topping off this list is Sam Spade, license number 137596, in the Elmer Longtail Caper. So listen for three top mysteries on NBC. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is Cloak and Dagger. Warfare, espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's adventure, direct line to bombers, the story of an American OSS agent who, during the height of the war, directed from the streets of Berlin an American attack, is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. After you get back from a mission, you sit around and there's nothing to do but sit around. So that's what I did. I sat in a room in Milton Hall in England where OSS agents are trained. I thought about the restaurant on 6th Avenue I wanted to open after the war. I was never so bored in my life. Yeah. Hey, uh, Nicky, the colonel wants to see you. Very important. Okay, pal. Tell my pal the colonel I'll be there. And win the war for him. Da 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 da. And that was how it all began, November 1944. After that, I didn't have time to be bored. I know you've just come back from a mission in France, Lieutenant, so it's strictly up to you if you want to go out again immediately. Oh, now listen, pal. I mean, uh, Colonel. <laughs> if I have to sit around here and do nothing, I'll blow my top. Uh, you um, speak German, don't you? Well enough to know that Hitler speaks a lousy German, full of grammatical errors. I, if I see him, I'll tell him. Eh? You may be closer to him than you think. Corporal? Yes, Colonel. Send in Professor Warburg. That's how I met the professor. He was a little guy with a beard. He weighed about as much as 10 cents worth of liver. And he reminded me of my chemistry teacher back in Lincoln Junior High School. Professor, tell Lieutenant Olesnikos just what you told me. With the greatest of pleasure, Colonel. Lieutenant, I am an escaped political prisoner of the Nazis. And I am here in England illegally. And you just walked into headquarters and told that to the Colonel, huh? Did you know you can be interned? I know that very well. But I can no longer sit by and be idle while I have a plan that I know can help the Allies. Uh, what uh, Professor Warburg suggests, Lieutenant, is that he be parachuted into Germany with another agent, make his way to Berlin... I, uh, I assure you, I can move about Berlin blindfolded. I know it well. Berlin? This could be interesting. What then? Then, with a radio transmitter, we could pinpoint military targets to American planes overhead. We could direct bombs from the streets of Berlin itself. Now, wait a minute. Walk around with a walkie-talkie in the middle of a raid carrying on conversation with bombers? When do we leave, pal? I am ready any time. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. 
professor may have been ready yesterday, but the OSS wasn't. First, we were briefed for weeks how to get food coupons in Berlin, how to buy a railroad ticket, how to post a letter, how to greet a German officer in the street. Little things, uh, an American cigarette, an English match, a laundry mark could give us away. And there were big things, too. We were grilled for hours on cover stories. Forgeries became documents. Fiction became fact. Passes, stamps, signatures. Everything authentic, everything ersatz, including my manners and habits. Till I was ready to pass as a citizen of Berlin. And then a plane took us high over German soil, and we jumped. It, Nicky. Yeah. It's only a few kilometers to Berlin. We can walk it, make it before daylight. We should find the farmer who owns this field and say Dankeschön for providing us with so ideal a landing place. <laughs> yeah, we'll send him a letter sometime. Right now, let's get out of here. You will wait where you are. Kindly keep your hands in the air. Unless you want that I blow your heads off. Or that my dog tear you to bits. Quiet, <laughs> Been a good dog keeping so still. Well, as your farmer, Professor, you still want to say Dankeschön? Sit still! Do not talk! You, uh, you have made a mistake, my friend. My companion and I got lost trying to find the road. We, we came by accident on your field. That's right. We both of us only recently discharged from the army. If you would care to see our papers right here in this knapsack... I... If you don't keep your hands up, I will let the dog go for your throat. I do not care to see your papers. I saw you parachute from an American plane. Uh-oh. Walk now to the barn. Rolf will see to it that you stay there. Won't you, Rolf? The German farmer left us in the barn and he didn't have to lock the door. That big black Doberman with the impatient fangs watched us as if he wanted us to make a move so we could jump. If we get out of this, my friend, I shall never again be a dog lover. Professor, don't move. Don't turn your head. Just listen to me. Yeah, I'm listening. There's some harness straps hanging on a hook right over my head. I noticed them when I came in. If I can pull them down fast enough, I'll throw them over the dog when he leaps, try to untangle them. Yeah, but... There's some horse blankets near you. When I pull down the straps, throw the blanket over him. It's got to be fast. Better work. I'm ready. On three, then. One. Nice, boy. Nice, nice, big, ugly mutt. Two. Three. The harness caught on the nail as I tried to pull it down. The dog leaped at my neck. And then the nail came off, too, and the straps fell across the dog's snout. Professor flung the blankets over the dog's head. I, I, I have him, Nicky, but I can't hold him. The shovel. Where's that shovel I saw? Hurry, hurry. I can't hold him. Now... I hit him again and again. And then suddenly the only sound in the barn was the dull thud of the shovel. The dog didn't move or make a sound. He never would again. We had better get out now. Yeah, let's go. The smell of a bakery is always good. Uh, how fortunate it is. I have only this morning made Pfefferkuchen, Josef. <laughs> Just the way you always liked it. <laughs> how good to see you again, Anna. I told my friend Nicky that you would take us in, help us. Natürlich, Nicky. I will do anything I can. We, we may stay here then, huh, Anna? Oh. If all goes well, we will leave right after the raid tomorrow night. Yeah, 24 hours, all we need. Of course, you may stay. I still live above the bakery. There is an extra room. My grandson, Emil, will not be home from the youth camp for a week. Yet. Youth camp? Uh, what could I do, Nicky? What could anyone do in these days in Berlin but ride with the wind? Until there is a chance to fight against it. Helping you and your mission will give me my chance. Little Emil, 
Eight years ago seemed like only yesterday. I used to sit with him on my lap here in this bakery and twirl my gold watch on the chain for him. Remember, Anna, how he laughed? Yeah, I remember. He has forgotten you by now. And you would not know him. He's 13 years old. Oh, 13 years old. Already they have poisoned his mind. I cannot get to him. I do not dare. He's a little parrot speaking only what is taught him. Uh, Nicky, some more coffee? No, thank you, Frau Leitner. More pfefferkuchen or apfelstrudel. A specialty of my shop, apfelstrudel. No, thanks. Six years ago, at this very table, I had Emil on my lap when the Gestapo walked in and arrested me. They did not like what I taught in their school. What's that? Someone's coming. I don't know who it can be. Customers never come by this late. Grandmother, surprise, I'm home. Emil! What is, man? Emil, your manners. These are friends just uh, passing through Berlin. They are j- just staying the night. This is Herr Neudek and Herr Josef. Brigitte. Heil Hitler. Oh, yes, of course. Heil Hitler. I did not expect you until next week, Emil. How is it you are here so early? Well, I won a great honor, which I want to tell you about. I did not know I'd have to share it with strangers. Shame, Emil. These men are... Well... Soldiers of the fatherland. Yeah? Yes, Emil, we were both with the elite guard of one of Rommel's panzer divisions. Rommel? Yes, uh, that is before we received our medical discharges. Oh, Rommel. Sit down, my boy. I will bring you something to eat, yeah? Don't you want to hear about the honor I received? Look, grandmother, on my sleeve. A red swastika. Yeah, red for the youth movement. And a swastika because I learned my lessons faster than the others. The commander-in-chief of the whole youth movement awarded me my swastika, and he told me I could take my vacation a week early. Are you proud of me, grandmother? Yeah, my boy, yeah. Let me get you something to eat. Oh, no, 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 I'm too tired. Going up to bed. Grandmother said you were staying here. Will I see you in the morning, gentlemen? Well, I'm not sure. Oh, they will be here. Now that you are home, Emil, I will sleep on the couch and give them my room. No, no, please. Oh, it is all right. It is settled. Good. Perhaps then, Herr Josef, you will tell me about Rommel, a great leader. Yes, yes, perhaps. Uh, we will see you in the morning, Emil. Why do you stare at me? Do I stare, boy? I thought so. Have I met you before, Herr Josef? No, I am sure not. Your face... Ever since I came in. Grandmother, have I met him here before? No, no, Emil. Herr Josef was here before you were born, even. You have never seen him. It has been years, oh, 15 maybe, before you were born. <laughs> I suppose so. Well. Good night. Professor. He wouldn't remember, would he? Oh, how could he, Nicky? He was a baby that last day Josef saw him, barely five years old. And the professor was 30 pounds heavier, at least, and clean-shaven. Yeah, yeah, Anna is right, Nicky. Do not worry. He could not remember. Do not worry. But I couldn't help worrying. I lay awake half the night thinking about that kid in the room next door. The 13-year-old puppet with the new red swastika. It was just a feeling. I had a funny kind of feeling at the pit of my stomach that made me wish they'd kept him in that youth camp until after we were gone. When I got up, the sun had been up for hours, and so had the professor. I went downstairs to the bakery. There was a smell of fresh bread baking, and I knew Frau Leitner was in the kitchen. But the professor was sitting at the table, swinging his watch on the gold chain and talking and, to that uh, German quiz what kid. What else have you learned, Emil? But why do you want to know? Oh, I'm just interested. I want to see how well you have earned that swastika. I stood at the Come, bottom of the stairs me. and listened. We have a leader who has revolutionized Germany. He is the greatest man who ever was or will be. When I joined the Führer's organization, the man in charge said... Join no organization but this. Forward, forward, the banner leads us to eternity. Oh, well, you have learned your lesson well. Hmm? 
Yeah, Yosef, are you sure I have never seen you before? Of course not, my boy. I seem to remember. Hey, Yosef. Ah, good morning, Herr Neudeck. Uh, since we're just passing through Berlin, don't you think we ought to see a few of the, the sights before we leave? Yeah, yeah, you're right. We will leave now. Uh, perhaps later, Emil, we will talk more. The raid was scheduled for that night. The professor and I had a lot of work to do. We made arrangements to meet about 4.30 that afternoon at a tavern on Wilhelmstrasse. We went separate ways. I did a lot of walking. And I made a lot of notes in my head. The Klingenberg power plant was still functioning. The Ostkreuz junction of the city railroad had been repaired. There was an ammunition dump on the north side that our bombers couldn't see from the air. It's a nice day. A lot of Germans were walking the streets, and I made a lot of notes in my head. You wish to order now, mein Herr? Nine, nine later. I am waiting for a friend. The professor was 15 minutes late, and I started to get nervous. Maybe somebody had recognized him. I sat there and sweated it out. 15 minutes. 20 minutes, half hour, and then he finally came, but he wasn't alone. Herr Neudeck, this is Hauptmann Müller. Uh, we, uh, we met only this afternoon, and I uh, invited him to come and have dinner with us. <laughs> it was not quite that way, Herr Neudeck. It was I who insisted upon coming alone. I, uh, give uh, sit down. You were with one of Rommel's panzer divisions, I understand. Yes, we were only recently discharged from the army. Myself, I am just back. Hey, we will have much to talk about. Where is that stupid waiter? They're never around when you need them. Uh, he will be here presently. Uh, presently is not soon enough. I will go to see him myself. Have you right, Where did you pick him up? He found me, my friend. There is a reservoir near the rail line. I was looking around. I, I think he was a little suspicious at first, but when I told him I was with Rommel, he became more friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I am beginning to believe I was in Africa myself. Just the same, I wish you could have shaken him. What did you find out? It was a profitable afternoon. And you? A profitable afternoon. Good. Shh, he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. At first, it seems strange to me that Herr Josef here should show so much interest in the reservoir. <laughs> well, I, I was merely taking a stroll, getting reacquainted with Berlin. <laughs> then I watched you. I saw you walk down towards the rail line. That was when I stopped you and began to talk. We are both glad you did, Herr Hauptmann. Give us this opportunity to get acquainted. Yeah, yeah. Hope we shall see more of you while we're in the capital. Uh, perhaps, Herr Neudeck. Perhaps you shall see a great deal of me. I think I shall call the waiter and order some brandy. Oh, but I see you have not yet finished your meal, Herr Neudeck. You're still eating. It's very good. Our diet at the hospital was not so varied. No doubt, no doubt. Everything I ate stuck in my throat. I know what I wouldn't go down. I knew that German officer was watching me as he talked. Watching me strangely, and I didn't know why. I knew that something was wrong, and I didn't know why. The professor felt it, too. Her name is Gertrude, this little Fräulein I tell you about. And she has friends. Oh, some very pretty friends. Uh, you would like to meet them, perhaps? Yes, we would like to very much, Herr Hauptmann. How oh, you would have enjoyed them. We might have had great fun together, all of us. Unfortunately, you may be otherwise engaged with the Gestapo. What, what, what did you say, Herr Hauptmann? I have been watching you all through dinner, Herr Neudeck. You are an American. Do not I... move, either of you. I have my hand on my gun. Well, surely you're, you're joking. No European. 
It's the way you do. To change the fork from the left hand to the right after the knife is used. At first, it escaped me. I just knew something bothered me. Then I realized what it was. There it was. The little thing that could put a rope around my neck. Americans hold the fork sideways in the right hand. In my nervousness, I'd forgotten a little thing like that European manner of eating. The sharp knife I'd been eating with was still in my hand. Almost as if it moved by itself, it disappeared under the table and halfway into the German office. Good work, Mickey. Good. I was stupid to get myself into that jam in the first place. We're not out of this yet. Waiter. Waiter. Yeah, mein Herr. Check, please. Our friend has had a little too much to drink. We will take him home. Yeah, yeah, right away. Between the two of us, we managed to get him out of there. His head was rocking back and forth like a drunk. The knife was still in him, so the blood didn't flow very much. He kept his cape around him. All right. There is no one around here, Nicky. We can dump him behind this shed. All right. We're beginning to leave a trail a mile long. <coughs> so long, pal. It's nice meeting you. Come on, Professor. Let's go. Back to the bakery, there was more trouble waiting for us. Trouble 61 inches high, weighing about 110 pounds, wearing a new red swastika on his arm. Uh, they're in the kitchen. Something is wrong. I don't like the sound of that. Come on. This morning when we were that watch on the chain, I thought I remembered something, and just now how I feel. Oh, you have never seen her use it before, Emil. I have, when I was very little, the Gestapo came. They arrested a man with a gold watch on a chain. I tell you, he is the same one. Emil, they do not even look alike, and what my about bo- this, this broadcast radio I found hidden in your bedroom in a hat box? I, I... It's called a walkie-talkie, Emil. Give it back to me. Mickey! Joseph, come back. You see, you see, we've wasted time. I should have gone to the authorities right away. They have tricked you, grandmother. He knows, Anna. I am afraid so. I've been holding him here, hoping he would return. What did you say? You knew, grandmother, didn't you? They didn't trick you at all. Traitor. You're a traitor, too. Amy, get Amy, away from me. I hate you. Me. I hate you. Nicky, get, get him. He's trying to Amy. run. Yeah, I've got him. Let me go. Let me go. Report to the Gestapo. They kill you. They have you shot. You're not going to report oh. anyone. What will I do with him? Uh, upstairs. His bedroom. Oh, Lock him there until after you have gone. Right. Let go of me. Get your hands on me. I hate you. I hate you all. Let me go. have to come with us when we leave here tonight, Anna. You cannot stay now. Professor is right, Frau Leitner. That kid upstairs will turn you over to the Nazis so fast you won't know what happened to you. My little Emil, turn me in. Josef, would he? I'm afraid he would, Anna. It is best that you come with us. We are going to try to get through the lines into France. Once there, there are underground workers who will help us. Yeah. Nicky... Is it all right if I bring this tray of food up to him? He has not eaten. He's still such a little boy. Yeah, sure, sure. You oh, take it up, but don't untie his hands, remember? Yes, I will remember. Well, the raid ought to start soon. Let's go over this map, make sure we have everything right, huh? Yeah. No, the rail line is here. Mm-hmm. Sector 2, grid B3. If our bombers knock that out, Berlin's transportation is completely crippled. And here, on the map, power plant is in sector 6, grid G5. Rosie, Mickey, he's gone. What did you... What? Yeah, his hands. He got them loose. He lowered himself from the window with the bedsheets. What are we to do? He'll bring the Gestapo back with him. We don't know how long he's been gone. Professor, the window, quick. Yeah. The, uh, ah, the back door. There, there is a car coming. I there can is, see it. There is an alley and Now, we look, can... look, no time. They'll have this place surrounded. How do you get to the roof? The roof, yeah, yeah. Up those stairs. We can go to, to the other rooftops and perhaps escape. There better be no perhaps about it. We went up to the attic stairs and onto the roof. You could see the Germans from there. Four of them in black shirts spilled out of an armored car. Two of them broke in through the front door. Two of them started around to the rear. 
And then we heard Emil. There they are up there, on the road! Emil, my boy, don't burn! Anna! Nikki, Nikki, she's dead. Well, it won't do her any good if we stay here. Come on, across the parapet. Harry. Oh, that's music to my ears. At least it'll keep them from getting more help right now. Stay where you are! Surrender now and it will go easier with you! Come and get us, pal! One of them did try to come and get us, and he got it first. Right between the eyes. He swayed for a few seconds back and forth, and then he fell off the roof onto the street. Ah, that's one of them, Nikki. There are only two left. Two? Well, what happened to the third? Nikki, was... behind you! Fourth Nazi had come up the other way, through somebody else's attic and onto the roof behind. Get your hands up! And now there are just two left, Professor. I... Hey, Professor, what is it? My... my leg. I can't move it. I can't go any further, Nikki. <laughs> What happened afterwards was a nightmare. It was if the earth cracked wide open. It was red hot and burning, and the noise of the planes and the agag and the German guns and the bombing made my my stomach turn. We crouched behind a parapet, and I held them off while the professor directed the bombers. Attention! Attention, bombers! The Klingenberg power plant is still functioning and supplies electric power to vital industries. Bomb sector 6, grid G5. The Ostkreuz junction of the city railroad has been repaired. Knock it out, and all traffic in Berlin will be stopped. Sector 2, grid B3. All right. Go now, Nikki, while there is a chance. I can hold them off long enough for you to get away. I can't leave you here. No, no, they won't take me. Don't worry. Now look, I'll carry you. We'll make it. Come on. Listen. Listen to me, Nikki. Go across the next two rooftops and then down through the skylight. There is a tailor shop. Yeah, but Professor... Go out the back door there. It leads to an alley. Once over the fence, under cover of the raid, you can make it. Now look, I won't go without you. All right. I will change your mind. Attention. Attention, bombers. Hey, what are you doing? Attention, bombers. Imperative. Wait two minutes and bomb crossroads at sector seven, grid D3. Hey, Professor, what are you doing? You're crazy. That's here, this sector. Go on, run. Run, Nikki. I'll cover you. I ran. I stumbled and fell and got up and ran again. When I got down in the alley through the tailor shop, I kept on running. And then the bomb fell and the concussion rocked the ground and I went flat on my face. When I looked back, I knew that our bombers had made another direct hit. The professor had not only held off the Germans while I got away, but had kept them there until it was too late for any of them. A little German bakery that specialized in Apfelstreudel folded up as if it had been made of matchsticks. Somewhere in the wreckage, the professor with his gold watch on the chain was buried under it. And overhead, the planes headed back. There was nothing left for me there. I headed back, too. Lieutenant Gus Olesnikus made his way to France and after months from there to England. But his direction of the bombing raid from the target itself kept some of Berlin's major industries crippled and its transportation system paralyzed. And once again, the report of an OSS agent closes with the words... Mission accomplished. Listen next week when we again present... Cloak and Dagger. in today's Cloak and Dagger adventure were Everett Sloan, Bill Zuckert, Lily Darvoss, Barry Kroger, Michael Artist, Raymond Edward Johnson, Carl Weber, Jerry Jarrett, Bobby Weil, and Brad Barker. Script was written by Winifred Wolfe and Jack Gordon. Music was under the direction of John Gart. 
Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production in association with Alfred Hollander and was under the direction and supervision of Sherman Marks. NBC offers three of radio's top mystery adventure shows, The Big Guy, Sam Spade, and The Saint. So if mysteries are your meat, listen in tonight. Next here, High Adventure, then The Big Guy on NBC. Thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days, your home for Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.